Welcome to episode three of It's a Baseball Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Hale. Appreciate everybody joining us here for episode three, which is all about restaurants and food. Mike kind of had this idea inadvertently on the last episode, so we decided to turn it into our episode for this week. You'll hear us talk about our favorite experiences at a restaurant or bar. You'll hear us talk about our favorite local places, just our, our general vibes, even some places we think are a little bit overrated. Of course, we do it in our own way, which is unique in and of itself. Without further ado, let's just get right to it. Episode 3, it's a baseball podcast all about the world of restaurants and food. Well, I, I will start out um, with, with the... I'm, I'm going to go big with my my favorite restaurant that I've ever been to. And it, it's okay. in Italy. And it's a place oh, called... Oh, shit. Italy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, now it's, now you just Italy. expanded my list. Are you? Have you? I know you've been to Italy, John. Have you been to yes. Venice? No, no. Okay, so uh, j- just to give some backstory, um, that this was, you know, it was with my wife. I, you, you, I know it was. I think you had just gotten married. Uh, for us, uh, for Colleen and I, it was our last hurrah before Lucy was born. Uh, I think Colleen was was five months pregnant. Um, I, when she tells these stories, she's somehow seven months pregnant, and I think she exaggerates a little bit. But I know she was five months pregnant. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, so. She had a colleague at the time who had been like studied abroad, had been to Italy, and you know, kind of gave her the good advice on lots of things, but on restaurants in particular, and kind of broke it down like, all right, like you know, the, these are the tourist restaurants, like these places are fine, but these are the places if you have time, you really have to go. So um, we, because Colleen was pregnant, we went on a tour, so we were kind of limited. Um, and I think I've said this before on earlier podcasts, which is, you know, I didn't, I don't speak Italian. Colleen doesn't speak Italian. I didn't want to be not on a tour and have something, you know, go wrong with the pregnancy. Not that it would, and suddenly be like, oh crap, like we don't speak Italian and we need to find a doctor. So. You know, we're on the tour. We're kind of limited, but there's this was one restaurant in Venice that she absolutely wanted to go to. It was called La Succa. It's Z U C C A. And the funny thing about it is, you know, we, we get to Venice. Uh, the first night we were there, we got there really late. It was a long bus ride, and we did go to one of the touristy restaurants. Which I don't even remember this about Italy, John. Like it, it's it's hard to mess up Italian food to begin with, and in Italy, Italy, it's even harder. So even though this was a touristy place, it was fine. Like it, it was okay. You know, it was nothing special, but it, everything was good. But the next night we really wanted to go find this restaurant. The only thing we had is like, we, we had a map like that was like one of those like cartoon maps. <laughs> and <laughs> right. I totally know what you're talking about. And if yeah. you've ever been to Venice, like it's not a regular city. So the thing about Venice, everybody, when they see pictures of it, you know, they see the gondolas and they see the water and, and like everything else. But there's a lot of streets that are, you know, just walkable. And, you know, it's like almost like sidewalks, but really it's, it's more of a neighborhood of streets and like alleys and there's, you know, like houses or apartments or what have you. So we're struggling to find this restaurant. It's getting dark and we're getting frustrated and we're not arguing, but we're definitely like annoyed at the whole situation. And then we round a corner and there's some people, you know, there's an indoor seating and outdoor seating. And we see some people seated at tables and we almost blew right by it, but we turn around like, oh, there it is. And we walked, you know, in, and I think it was like a half hour wait. It was reasonable. And I know there's a lot of buildup, but I have to say, I, 
I still dream about this place. Like I, I dream about how good this restaurant is. So it, it was a really cozy restaurant. It was very small. And the the thing about it that really like jumped out to me was that the menu had like so much on it. Like there was a, a big, there was a section with game. There was a vegetarian section. I mean, they also had traditional Italian dishes. Uh, I think we mixed and matched and did like two or three like separate dishes. Uh, the desserts are also to die for it, it it just was it was an experience and yeah it, it, I, I had a lot of, we had a lot of good meals in italy I, I think there was maybe only one meal like outside of the one i mentioned that was kind of disappointing but that one really stood out that's amazing so so i was i wasn't even thinking about um bringing this up but i i also have a um well i mean there were several like you like you said mike i mean it's if you go to Italy and you don't have um, a number of amazing meals, you know you're you're probably doing it wrong. But there, that made me think of one particular um, place in in Florence. Can I can I just uh, slide in here, Samuel? Yes, of course, by all means. So I was just googling because I couldn't remember the name. So I found this Eater uh, 36 best restaurants in Florence, and I'm like, well, maybe it's on here. And sure enough. Um, I found this restaurant. So when we were staying in Florence, you know, uh, there's a callback to a couple episodes ago when I talked about um, our honeymoon, our marriage and wedding and honeymoon in Italy. And um, we were staying at this tiny little hotel, um, you know, close uh, close to the, the Ponte Vecchio in, in Florence and um, kind of struck up a, you know, conversation with the the owner. It was It was an Italian man and his Japanese um, wife. I was a couple. One, the man was tired and his, his wife was Japanese. And we asked for recommendations and he mentioned this place called Chibreo, uh, Chibreo Trattoria. And uh, I'll just read a sentence from the Eater um, description here. Um, the offerings at the Trattoria are dedicated to homestyle old world cooking, like rib sticking soups, roasted game, and obscure awful preparations, you know, O-F-F-A-L, like stuffed chicken neck. Creativity shows through in the cult status ricotta and potato uh, sformatino souffle and some out-of-the-box riffs on Florentine staples, as in a budino made with turmeric and lemon Greek yogurt. Um, so it's like, you know, traditional Italian kind of repackage for... Um, a sort of, you know, high culinary experience. Anyway, whatever. We didn't really know any of that. We started to, we got there, um, started to eat. It was very, it was small. It was, it was very intimate kind of, um, and it was pretty late. So it was after dark and about, I think, like into our second course, the power went out or the, you know, so the lights went out at least. And within, within about 30 seconds, every table in the restaurant had a lit candle on it. And it was just this sort of magical, you know, like it almost felt staged, like they sort of expected, uh, you know, the the power to go out. And suddenly we're in the middle of this, you know, candlelit, you know, uh, Florentine uh, restaurant experience. And of course the food was also amazing, but you know, you said, Mike, that your experience of Venice was an experience. And that's really, you know, those places that you only go to once, 
mm-hmm. you remember them because they are an experience. The you know the food might might be wonderful, but um, you know it's it, it sometimes it can just be the whole the whole package. And so yeah, I will always remember that that uh, that restaurant, Chibreo. Yeah, yeah there, there's something about like, and I haven't you know been to all that many you know countries and you know my, my dad's argentines i've been to argentina but that's different because you know you're, you're visiting family you're not really like a tourist or, or on vacation but there there is something about like dining outside of the united states it, it's it's hard to yeah it's almost hard to explain if, if you haven't done it but there's there's something special about it for sure well and i would say i mean it's easy to romanticize because yeah i don't want to if you're on va- well i was going to say italy in particular but but I can't say that my experience was, you know, normal because I was on vacation. It was, you know, like a special time. So everything right, has this. Right, right. But but I think even beyond that, like the food is just really fucking good <laughs> in, in Italy. So, yeah, it, it really it really is. Um, yeah. What, one thing about the tour that I remember, like the negative thing I remember is so the, the tour like set us up with hotels and you know you're, you're kind of stuck with the food at the hotel so we we did rome florence venice and then back to rome at the end and there were you know there were some stops in between like like day stops and the funny thing i remember was that like the the hotel in rome we had dinner there the the food was fine um venice you had to kind of fend for yourself because it was like this kind of teeny tiny hotel and i i broke a chandelier which is is like a, a side story um, that my wife still makes fun of me about to this day. Uh, and uh, Florence, the hotel, the, the food was like really like kind of cafeteria food. And just I think in, in context, like given how good the food was in Italy, that's why it was so annoying. Like I have a feeling if I were in the U.S., I would have been like, yeah, you know, whatever. Like this isn't so great. But it just stood out as like being subpar compared to everything else. And then when we got back to Rome, it was just like a continental breakfast. But it, it was this, it was like this enormous continental breakfast. It was like one of the biggest co- kinds I've ever seen. It was truly like uh, this big breakfast and not just your U.S. continental breakfast where, you know, it's a, you know, like warmed over bagel and, you know, stale right. muffin, et cetera, right. et cetera. Like there were like real pastries and, and stuff. Samuel, what do you got? So along this line, if we're kind of starting with like best experience at a place, um, this is actually kind of hard, but I think I, I know now uh, I had to, I actually did have to look the place's name up because I, I I had that moment where I I knew like two thirds of the name, but that wasn't enough to find it. And then luckily I was able to do enough creative Googling to figure it out. But my favorite experience was actually in Washington, D.C. when I went for about two days in 2016. Uh, I've talked about going to the White House before. This was the night before we went. And it was myself, uh, my, my faculty mentor in college, who I still to this day have a very good relationship with. And it was our entire group going that next day. It was uh, a professor from England who was the head of our charity and a bunch of students from around the country. So there was probably about 15 of us. And so we had gotten into D.C. at like 11 a.m. or so, 12, 12, sometime around there. And we checked into our hotel. We'd had plenty of time and uh, to kind of go around, get something to eat. And then that night we said, I'll go meet out at a bar and just have, you know, have a good time. And so we ended up in, Adams, in the Adams-Morgan suburb of D.C. DC, which is for those who are not aware, it's on the north side of DC. Uh, it's it's to the west of Howard University. Uh, it's over uh, southeast of the National Cathedral, just due south of the Smithsonian Zoological Park. So, so if you're familiar at all with the area, you probably know. 
Uh, it's it's kind of a gentrified area, I'm guessing, based based on what's there. It but is. But it had a very yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's a very vibrant bar scene. Now, you know, 2016, me didn't know that because 2016 was a dipshit largely. But so we we all meet there. We're walking down the street of this of this area. We're walking down. What street was this on? Here, I'm looking at the, the reviews. We're walking down 18th Street, and we're just looking for a place to hang out. There's like 12 of us, 15 of us. We just want a place. They want to go drink. Some of us want to eat. And we come across this this place called the Black Squirrel, and it was it it looked it just looked right. It, it had it was a two level bar where you had like an upstairs and a downstairs. We went downstairs. The bar was just incredibly just warm. It was a basement bar, uh, warm in appeal and, and vibe, not in necessarily temperature. It was I I can't I don't remember the temperature being cold or hot, but it's just it's a very just kind of dive bar-y ish feel to it. And it was just easy to get tables to the bar, have a nice conversation. There was, I think there was a pool table in the back. There were some darts. The music was really good. They were playing like the stuff I like, which for context is if, if it played in a hot topic between 2000 and like 2015, I probably listened to it. And I just remember like it, I, I very much kind of felt like an adult, if that makes sense, like in that moment. Because I was sitting around with people largely older than me. Um, I had left home for the first time because part of this was I'd never like flown on a plane before this trip. Like, so this was a whole, I, like, I'd never really stayed in a, a, a hotel safe. For, like one of the time I took a road trip with a couple of buddies at my first time in college, you know, we're, we're, we're going to the white house tomorrow. That feels very important. Like this just felt like a very cool moment in time, even if it was a very short moment. And I just remember this bar, you know, the bartenders were super cool. They were, you know, they, they always got our food out. Our food was pretty good. It was reasonably priced, though I didn't have to pay for it because it was on the expense account that we that day. So even better. And I just, you know, it just had a, a certain feel to it, a certain aesthetic to it. And I, I uh, it holds a special place in my heart, uh, though unfortunately I have now learned that it is closed. Uh, in fact, it closed in 2018, not because of the COVID, if you'll, but because somebody bought it and turned it into like a craft beer joint or something like that like where it's exclusively like craft beer and if that's your get down that's your get down but it's like yeah we've owned this for a year now we want to take it a different direction I'm like fuck you you ruined a great bar in dc that i i was hoping to go back to dc one day just on vacation go visit again but now i can't because it's gone so apparently there is one in northern virginia so i guess if i want to satisfy my crave i could go there but it just I, th- I thought it would have been closed because, you know, a lot of businesses have closed in the past two and a half years because of the world. But no, the Black Squirrel, may you rest in great peace. Thank you for a fantastic night for for a, a young man who didn't really know what he was doing that day, but just wanted to have some fun and had a wonderful time with a bunch of people he didn't really know. And now I'll never be able to go back because it's now some douchey craft beer joint. So it ends on a low, but I assure you, it was, it was one of the more fun nights of my life. And I just still cannot get over the name, the black squirrel. That's a great name for a bar. If for whatever reason I ever open a bar, I hope to name it something like that. And for it to be as fun as that. Yeah. It's all about, it's all about the experiences and especially, you know, obviously those, those places where you've only been once it's, you remember them because there's usually something beyond the, the food. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I like that's what it's making me think of. It's like as much as I enjoy the food at my favorite restaurants, you know, it reminds me like my Colleen and I another trip we had. Uh, we this was like before the the Italy trip and when we had you know less money, uh, we we spent like a, a long stretch in in DC, and we had, there was an Ethiopian restaurant Adams Morgan. I can't remember the name of it, and you know we we went there and it was great. But the funny thing was. Um, we were staying near DuPont Circle, uh, and we decided to walk to Adams Morgan. And it was a longer walk than we expected, in part because it was uphill. And it was October, but it was a pretty warm October night. And again, we were just not happy with each other by the end of that walk. You know, Kali was very much like, why didn't we take a cab? And, you know, I was like, well, I didn't know it was that far. Like we weren't, you know, we weren't yelling at each other, but we definitely were not. I, I'm not much of a yeller, as you probably surprised you about me, but we definitely were not, like I said, happy. But then it's that whole thing about a restaurant, right? Like whether it's a long wait or whether you get lost finding it, like if the food's good, which it was. And I don't know if either of you have had Ethiopian or if you enjoy it, but I, mm -hmm. at that mm -hmm. point I hadn't really had it and it was just really good and like, just so like, you know, so satisfying. It wouldn't have been called Zenabak, would it, Mike? It, I think it was Zenabak. I mean, there, so I it know, turns out I know that there place are... is right across the street from the black squirrel. Okay. Yeah. Are... But that, that might be why the black squirrel sounded a little familiar to me. I, I mean... think Adams Morgan is where I, the first time I had Ethiopian food. I mean, I think it's, there are a few. A yeah, few it's places. not the only one. Like, yeah. I don't know why we picked that one, but there, there, there's a few. Yeah, it, it, it's apparently a. There's a small neighborhood there that's uh, like Ethiopian, which makes sense for DC. DC has a very varied, like you know, ethnic like populations here and there. I know, like Philadelphia has like one or two Ethiopian restaurants, but they're really spread out and they're, they're not close to each other. I think that's more of a situation where, you know, somebody's like, yeah, we, I just want to open a restaurant. I need to find a space, not that, Oh, there's a neighborhood mm -hmm. here. So I'm going to open it in the neighborhood. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That makes me, um, so, so the, you know, when you mentioned earlier that talk about places from your past, I mean, there, there's one restaurant that to me is like, I feel like it's the first place that really got me um, kind of interested in in food and trying new things. I mean, I was interested in food, but you know, this is when I was. It's probably toward the end of my college years, and I mean, I'm just you know, if I, if I haven't mentioned it before, I I went to to college in Santa Barbara, and then I stayed there for graduate school, so I was there for for quite a quite a while, 12 years. And um, I discovered this, or I first went to this place. Um, it was called Papagayo's and it was a Peruvian restaurant. And Ooh. it was, and, and Santa Barbara's already a very, um, I mean, it's, it's lovely, it's gorgeous there. It's also very expensive. And, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about it, but it it is near and dear to my heart in a lot of ways. And this place, um, I have to speak in the past tense, sadly, because, you know, I did learn that, that it, it closed in the last few years. Um, was on a little plaza called Delaguerra Plaza, um, and it was just this indoor-outdoor place. And there was always like a live Peruvian sort of musicians there playing, and it was just a very like the you know the vibe was was fantastic, especially if you were there on like a nice warm evening. And for me, like just this is the first place I had ceviche. Um, it was, I, I tried a lot of like new seafood there 
and it was it became it became the place that I would like introduce anyone who would visit me. I would you know if if I mean if it was it wasn't cheap. So if we're family and or you know friends who who could uh, who could afford a, a decent night out, um, or you know if I had a date, that would be the the impress the date place. Um, but it, it was just a magical, magical place. The food was was just just so flavorful and just so much like spice and and just you know presentation was gorgeous and uh, the atmosphere was just perfection and you know yeah. So so I have a question for both of you and this is something I was thinking about when you know, I brought this up last week because because it's something that I, I think about how it influenced me. How are you raised with food? And what I what I kind of mean mm. by that is is strictly from the restaurant standpoint. Like I I, I know that in, mm. in, I think John for you and I in particular in our ages, like I, I think our parents' generation like had certain biases about foods or had certain like no we don't eat this type of food because it's blank. And often there was I don't mm. want to say it was exactly like racism tied to it, but it definitely was some like stereotyping or, or some. Like, yeah, you know, th this type of food I have this negative association with. So, Samuel, I, I kind of start with you. Like, did were were your parents, like, pretty liberal when it came to, like, food? Or were there certain things they're like, yeah, we're not going to do that? Sort of. So, it's part of this you got to understand is geography-based as well. So, like. Yeah, yeah, I figured. I, I grew case. up in a very small town there's like twelve thousand people roughly and it, that's where we're at now it was smaller before and i've been here pretty much most of my life so if you want to get to like an honest to god like restaurant culture you've got to go pretty much about 30 minutes plus east to go to you know go to fort worth proper you know god forbid you want to take a night out and go to dallas or something like that's you know it's it's a lot like it's a lot of effort and for you know my family who you know i would say we probably grew up at best lower middle class like we weren't like broke broke like it could have been worse but like it also could have been a lot better um you know like high dining was not something that was really a part of our 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 way of life for lack of a better term um i don't think there was any necessarily judgment against it per se it was just more of a like i would say like that's that's just what people who have more money do like there wasn't a lot of like steakhouses or like per, like i cannot tell you like if you just said, "Hey, here's a thousand dollars. Find me a Peruvian restaurant in your area," <laughs> I have to hand you the thousand dollars back and go. I can't help you. I'm sorry. Like I really want to keep the money, but like there because there's just in this area there's not a lot. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of Mexican food. There's a lot of like traditional American food, like or even like Southern Americana food. Mm -hmm. But like the further east you get, you you see a little bit more. Like there's you know basically the the more diverse your population gets, the more you see it. So like growing up i it was a lot of just like basic foods like it was not a i would not call it a uh an adventure in that way not that i have a problem with that necessarily um i i don't i i see food as it could be anything you want it to be like i don't i i would probably say i have a simpler palate than than most and i don't have a problem with that um but i also don't knock people who want to explore the outrageous and want to explore all everything food gives them like I think I, I think I definitely see food less as a like a uh, an expiration and more as just a a thing that makes me feel good, uh, and that's probably in part because of the way that I grew up and like the way that my brain processes food and that sort of thing. So um, I don't think there was any sort of like oh no we're not going to go to that because it's you know whatever food, 
it's more of just like wasn't really available and, and like uh my mom's not a huge food person really like she's very basic uh yeah, yeah. i would say even more so than me my dad likes to explore foods he loves to cook that's kind of where i got my current cooking kick from like we we kind of share a lot of similar ideas in that way but it's it's definitely not exotic in any way i would say that much it's very it's very, very much doing what you do well and enjoying that and working on that i would say it's probably the way to put it how about how about you john um, when I was very young and my parents were still married, uh, my my dad had very like basic tastes, um, just a lot of meat and potatoes and vegetables. And my my mom, um, rest her soul, was was not uh, a very good cook. So like, I, you know, I don't have really fond memories of like when I'm very young. Like food, food was actually much more stressful for me at home because, um, you know, there were the odds were that on, on any given night, there was going to be something that we were eating that I just did not like. And I would be very stubborn about not eating it. And, um, then I, you know, when, when my parents were divorced, um, we spent a lot more time with my grandparents. Um, so my mom's parents lived close by and I think a lot of my food kind of, um, you know, early life food experiences then were oriented around, my my grandma um, and she. It's interesting. My grandparents are both um, children of um, Jewish immigrants. Um, my grandpa from Russia. My my grandma from Hungary. And so, uh, even though they very much culturally assimilated, they they had no real connection to their Jewish um, past, you know, history or heritage, and they certainly not religious. About you know, they did not. They were not observant at all, but my, you know, my grandma would, would make, um, matzo ball soup, which she would make uh, chicken paprikash, which is a very, um, you know, sort of standard kind of, um, Hungarian dish, you know, it's kind of a chicken paprika chicken stew. Um, and then, you know, when I got to college, it was just like cheap college food. Uh, and I, I think the, the only cuisine that I really started to, to, I think, develop a kind of, I I guess I could say a, a palate for a discerning palate for was was Mexican food because there was a, a lot of that. Um, it was cheaply available, and I I, I always have loved uh, Mexican food, and so I you know I, I I was very I was very opinionated about like the 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 like five taquerias you know within a mile radius of my college apartment. You know I I, I you know there you definitely go to this one, but you don't go to that one. And that one sucks. And that one's good for the chips and salsa, but don't go for the burritos. And then it really wasn't until graduate school when I, you know, started to explore a little more. Um so so yeah, it was I was it was pretty like I could say like my early food experiences were more negative and it's kind of taken my adult life to to undo a lot of that. Yeah, to to back up to to one of Samuel's points, I I'm you know kind of spoiled by having lived almost all my life in the Northeast, and you know just kind of take for granted like how there are so many cuisines here, and you know it's not just like there's one restaurant that offers that cuisine, and then you have to drive you know twenty or thirty miles to find another one. Like there's several options. So if you're like, well, you know, if you don't like, you know, you don't like this restaurant, Indian restaurant, there's one five miles away and you can try that. So it, it just really is one of those, you know, things. One thing about living in suburbia and especially in Pennsylvania is I do notice that there's like some like oddities, like for some reason, like where I live. 
there isn't really a decent Chinese restaurant. Like they exist. I mean, they're they're around, but they're more like sort of takeout junky. Like they're not really mm-hmm. like the the higher like I don't even say higher end, but like higher quality. We're like, wow, this is really good. It's more like the if I have a need and I kind of want the junk food Chinese food, that's I, I have that option. But I don't really have the good sit down option where I feel like, yeah, this is a pretty like solid kind of sit down place. But I mean, the thing I noticed that's really funny is that, you know, because I live in Pennsylvania, I don't have to drive too far north or west to find like what I'm, you know, talking about, you know, the, the kind of Pennsylvania. I've heard people call call it, you know, the the, the fact that it, it might as well be like the Midwest in, in terms of the way it is where. You know, you, you drive 30 miles out and, and there's nothing. And, you know, there, there's maybe like a family style type restaurant and, you know, a, an Italian place where, you know, the noodles are crunchy and, and the sauce is, is like ketchup. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, well, I've kind of seen that. <laughs> I, I got to ask about that, um, about sort of the, the Pennsylvania thing, because, of course, like the one Pennsylvania specific. Well, I mean, aside from like cheesesteak, but the one Pennsylvania specific food item that I've never had, but I wonder if you've ever uh, dipped into the wonderful world of Scrapple. No, I, I have, I have not. <laughs> I mean, is that, is that more like a Western PA thing or is it just sort of I, more a rural thing or? I'm probably the wrong person to ask, but I, I think it's more of a, a Western thing. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think like, besides cheesesteak, I, I know there's some other like probably distinctive things here, but yeah, I mean, well, of course, there's the whole, you know, the stupid whole Wawa sheets battle, <laughs> all that. That that's just like, that's just ridiculous, you know. And I'm having not grown up here, I'm kind of on the side of what with what with Wawa, where I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's it's fine for what it is, but it's it's a convenience store, like. It, but it's, it's a, yeah, nothing so I, spectacular. I mean, I've never the great thing about Wawa, Wawa, it's a convenience store that has su- you know that makes subs to order at two in the morning. That's that's not bad. So but they're the sub- like. Subs themselves are nothing special. Like like a step above Subway. Oh yeah, it's it's better than Subway. Um, I I'd say that it's probably if it if it were just just made subs and they were a chain, they'd probably be like middle of the road. Yeah. You know, something like Jersey Mike's is probably better. Uh, Of course, that that's a whole funny thing too about like the like growing up here in the Northeast. Like I, I lived in a town in New Jersey. The last town I lived in my colleague, I used to joke, like there was a sub shop on every corner. And this was like a, for, for Jersey, at least it's a relatively small town. And like, it's funny, like Jersey, Long Island, you know, you, you can find like sub places and bagel places, like pretty much in every corner. They're yeah. not, you're not all great, but they're, they're, again, it's like I was saying before, they don't all have to be great. You just find one you like, and, and that becomes your go-to. In uh, in Connecticut, they're they're grinders. Oh yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah which which I I I've never been like you know I sub hoagie whatever I I'm like whatever call it what you want to call it I it's I'm a not a I'm not a word warrior yeah or you know it's it's a sandwich I I don't really I don't care. But is it a hot dog? Oh no. Well, I that. I have I have an opinion on that, and I I forget who <laughs> oh, I would. No. You know. We don't have the time. We don't have. It's going to be too much. <laughs> I don't right, want to yeah, divide we, the we audience. Can, we can save well, that. Well, for yeah, we'll save Keep it when we get. No, when we get Eno. One day we'll do when we a get linguistic. Eno on, we'll do a linguistic podcast, a uh, food podcast. Yeah. Time. Yeah. We, we can, I, I, I add it on the list. We could really get derailed with with this topic. You're so like, so we we haven't yet talked about the local places like. 
True. I don't know. What, what do we? What do you? What do you got for that, Sammy? What do you got for your local go-to? I mean, again, I have a list almost thirty deep. Tell me what you want, and I could probably give it to you. So my okay. So I'll I'll try to narrow it. Yeah, point do me in you, a direction here, and I'll go off. Do you have? Because this is the thing that that I would, if if I were forced to move to Texas, which you know, please, no, thank you. I mean. Sure, there are lovely things about it, I'm sure, but no thank you. But the one thing that I, I would immediately search out would be a barbecue joint. So, Oh, yes, of course. So uh, I actually do have the one, my favorite I do have written down on my list is a place called The Railhead. It's in kind of uh, far west Fort Worth. Um, it's right, it's not terribly far from TCU's campus. It's uh, like I-30 in Montgomery in that kind of area. It's a bit of an older area of Fort Worth. It's not terribly far from uh, from kind of the, the historic west side. Um, it's actually owned by one of the state representatives, who's kind of a giant douche, but his damn his food's really good. Um, <laughs> there's a there's a, uh, to be clear, there's a ton of great barbecue in Dallas. I mean, you'll hear about places like Pecan Lodge, Hard Eight's a place that's opened up recently. I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch of places, but like for my money, if I had to take you to a place and be like, hey, this is a place that I know is good. Um, I would take like the railhead in Fort Worth. They have giant schooners of beer. If beer is your thing, they have all sorts of different barbecue. They have, they have brisket, they have ribs, they've got sauces, they've got sandwiches, anything you could want. The, the portions are good. Like that's, that's what I grew up on. Like that is extremely my shit. And like, there, there's people that will argue on like all sorts of things in barbecue around this area, but that's, that's the, the numero uno on my list personally. Very good. I'm making a note. I mean, though, if I were to come to anywhere in the in the Metroplex, of course, I would, you know, call you up and make you take me to these places. So, yeah, we would just go like I'm going without you. Yeah, I I am curious. We were talking about this a little bit um, when we started with our first one. And obviously, uh, John, you kind of tied this in with your Peruvian restaurant in Santa Barbara in that area. Do y'all have a place when you were in college, whether it was, you know, in, in my case is twice with no degree or John, in your case with two degrees, that was like the place you went regularly, like whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a bar that served food, like, did you have places that like they were your hangout spots that you and your buddies or even just you would go and you're like, this is my place in my college town. This is the place I enjoy going. Oh, yeah. For sure. I, Step on I, up there. Yeah, I, I would say I would say not really in our case, just because uh, Buffalo, New York was cold. So we, we tended to I mean, we'd go Fair. out, but we tended to stay in a lot more than than go out there. <laughs> yeah. So in, in my call, I mean, there are a number of places, but um, there's a place in Isla Vista, which is the little student ghetto next to UC Santa Barbara. It's it's about, I don't know, 10 miles outside of, of Santa Barbara proper. Uh, but it's a it's a you know, just basically like a couple of square miles of just nothing but apartments and undergraduates um, and very, very, very um, questionable things happening all the time. But um, the um, the place that that I remember is this place called McBurley's. And um, it was just, uh, you know, it was just like a it was basically a place to go to drink beer on picnic tables outside. And it was, there was like a road that led to campus, but it, in Santa Barbara at UCSB, everyone bikes and there's a bike path that goes 
along this road and then it goes kind of through this underpass and onto campus. So basically you'd sit at an outdoor table at McBurley's with a pitcher of beer and everyone would just ride by on their bikes as they're coming back to their, their apartments or whatever. Um, and so basically it was just a place to post up and you'd see someone and you'd be like, Hey, you know, come on, just, you know, come join us. So, I mean, it was just really like the essence of just college social life was just, you know, killing an afternoon, not knowing who you're going to hang out with. Um, you know, just, just hanging out with a pitcher of McBurley's is like, that's, that's, that's sort of the essence of my, uh, my college experience basically. So I'll give you a couple because I, I went to college in two different places and there's I can think of a couple. Um, the one that that will always hold a special place in my heart and I haven't been to in, in way too long was a place called Cool Beans. It was right off the, the UNT campus. Um, you could literally walk there from my main building where I would I would uh, when I worked at the campus radio station. It was literally like a five minute walk at most. And it was part of what was known as the Denton Triangle. I guess it still is. It definitely was when I was there. Because the same guy owned the three bars right there that formed kind of like an isosceles triangle. He owned Cool Beans, he owned Rip Rocks, and Lucky Lou's. And those were like the three bars. Like if you if you were a part of bar culture in like this area, like you, aka you were a student in that area, one of those three was probably your one. And pro like Rip Rocks was probably the most popular, then Lou's, then Cool Beans. So of course I ended up with the hipster bar because of course I did. But they had a Friday special that you could come in during lunchtime and get a $5 cheeseburger. And it was a cheeseburger, seasoned waffle fries, and a soft drink. And it was 5 bucks. And the bar was it, – it, it, it also had two levels. You could go inside or outside. But it was, like, smoky and kind of poorly lit. There was always, like, kind of mid-2000s flat screens mounted on there that always were running, like, generic sports center or – or like ESPN News, which always ran Sports Center back in like 2010. But damn, if the burger wasn't delicious, and I could usually get them to add like a little bit of bacon on there, maybe sometimes a second patty for only like a dollar more. But every Friday before I, because I would work uh, three to six on Fridays, I'd go to my morning class, go back, maybe nap a little bit, then walk down to Cool Beans, have my lunch, and then walk to the radio station. I was, I would, it just gives me those feels, like those nostalgia feels. Um, and the other place when I was going to school in Arlington, uh, it's a place right off campus called Old School. It's it's more of a uh, not far from like what you described, John. It had like outdoor dining where you sit at pe uh, picnic tables, drink beer. The big thing is they had like pizza and such as that. Like it was, uh, it was like pizza and beer as opposed to like just straight up a bar. But it, uh, we would go after softball games. We'd play intramural softball, and then all of us would go down the road, and we just hang out outside if it was in the spring. And even if it was the summer, because the breeze would come through, they had umbrellas over the tables. But just you know, have have something to drink, have a have some pizza or like a calzone or something, and just enjoy each other's company and like bond with each other. It was a lot of fun. And like when I think of like college, there's a couple of other places that come to mind. But like as far as like the college experience and the college vibes, those are the two places that I think about and go, yeah, that's that's totally it right there. Those are the ones. Yeah, see, see, in college, the one place we had that was funny, it was this, like, Greasy Spoon, like, breakfast place, and the appeal yes. was, like, it was, like, a cheap breakfast, and it was, like, a line out the door, it, it was, like, the hangover, I think it was called JJ's, it was, like, a, and it wasn't even in Buffalo, it was, like, in the, it was in the suburbs, like, one one town over, 
and it, it was it was just one of those things. It was a you know this is like thirty years ago. I'm sure it's more expensive now. It was like a ninety nine cent breakfast. Yes. Um, but but it was just one of those like it's just so good and you know it it just was the go to you know it was like a big plate of like I think it was like egg like a bunch of hash browns and and toast and you know you you got your coffee too and you just sat there and you know you just soaked that in and you know you you fed your hangover <laughs> for sure so is there any place I, I mentioned this with the black squirrel a little bit earlier that it was closed but you know, it wasn't closed because of the pandemic. Have y'all lost anything because of the pandemic? Like, is there a restaurant y'all liked or maybe didn't go to as much for whatever reason that because of because of COVID that's gone? Because I one of my lists turned out to be gone because of that. I can't think of any place that I really liked that went under um, in in my town. Uh, yeah, well, there's a there's a coffee shop that I really liked in Pullman. Um, so I would, I would hang out there when I was, when I was over there and, and they unfortunately went under, but, um, yeah, this, this, yeah, not, nothing that I I'll miss, uh, in, in my town, uh, fortunately knock on wood, you know, we haven't, haven't lost it yet. So yeah, same, same here. We, we've been pretty lucky. Um, there's a, there's a local chain of like grilled cheese store. Oddly enough, they make grilled cheese. I make my other sandwiches, but that's like their thing. It's called the melt shop. Uh, the my, the one my the, son would die for that. Yeah, my kids loved it. Um, the one right in town went out of business, but they're they're still like around elsewhere. So like, it's not like we lost it entirely. We just lost the incredible convenience of having one right in town. So, yeah, like stuff like that where like something that was part of a chain it was a smaller place closed but like the whole chain didn't go belly up yeah i've got a similar to that uh a friend of uh, a friend of mine has a had a, a trio of pizza restaurants that he's down to one now just because of various mm-hmm. like covid related things um the place that i lost specifically was actually another pizza place in denton it's right on um denton for those well specifically you you two but anyone that's listening has never been the big appeal of Denton, it's got a very historic downtown. It's called the Square. It's shaped like a square. It's got the courthouse in the middle. Like it's it's a very traditional Texas downtown. But there's a ton of cool stuff in and around that area. There used to be a giant music festival that would take over that area called 35 Denton, which I got to attend twice before it died due to gross incompetence. But there was a pizza place right on the square called J and J Pizza, and it had an old like stained glass style sign. It was set up like a classic like pizzeria type joint. It was not a modern place. It was definitely like kind of a throwback to the pizzerias of old. And they had like the more New York style slices and it was really freaking good. And like I just love the aesthetics of it. It felt both like a place out of the city, yet felt perfectly in the city as well. And when I was researching our list here, because uh, I don't get back to Denton that much, unfortunately, it looked like it had gone belly up and it makes me uh, very sad. Because yeah. good food being lost is is no fun. It's, it's no good. It's, yeah. Well, when good things you know disappear from the world, that's that's always that's always always bad. Um, yeah. That you you mentioned that it's you know you you know the person who who owns the the pizza places. Um, I mean, I will say this is just one. It's not really directly related to food, but one of the things I like about living in a smallish town 
and I don't, you know, this is not, this is just through happenstance, but because you just sort of meet people who know other people who know other people, like, you know, I'm pretty good friends. I would say there's, so there's a, a pair of, of people, um, who opened, like they, they sort of made their mission to bring kind of, you know, kind of cool, um, but high quality restaurants to, to Moscow where I live. And then, uh, another person who I just know through an acquaintance, uh, has opened up a place in Pullman. And one of the things that would be hard if, if I ever, if we ever leave this town is just, um, it's really, it, it's, it really feels nice to know that when you know people who own these places and, you know, you're sort of, friends with them. And it's not that, you know, you go in and get free meals and get treated like a special person, but just kind of, you know, being a part of what they're doing and supporting what they're doing and, um, you know, feeling good about like, you know, taking part in community that way is, is definitely something that I like about living in a town this small. So yeah, shout out, shout out to Myelina Pizzeria. Uh, Sangria, oh, yeah. which is actually a Peruvian restaurant, which is closed temporarily because they're opening a downtown location soon. And shout out to Black Cypress, which is unquestionably the the only actual restaurant in Pullman that I would I would recommend. I guess if we're doing this, uh, shout out to Durkin's Pizza and McKinney. They used to have three locations. I I used to frequent the the Frisco location because it was close to the Star. But like, if you're up in Northeast Dallas and that area of the world, and you need literally what I believe to be the best pizza in the area, please go visit Durkin's. Give them your money because they are a, as local as local gets. They do a ton of great work in our community. Uh, I cannot truly recommend it enough. The people that run it are fantastic. The people that work there are fantastic. If you need a slice and you're up in that area, or actually help buy a whole pizza, as far as I'm concerned, and if you if you buy a whole pizza, you I'll don't buy like two it, pizzas. Send me a DM. I'll buy two. Buy, Two pieces. In fact, I've made this I've made this promise before, and I'll do it again on the podcast, much to my own peril. If you go to that place and you buy a pizza and you don't like it, send me a DM with your receipt and I will I will pay for your pizza. That's how confident I am in it. Like if you go there and you don't like your order, like send me a message on Twitter with your receipt and say hey, <laughs> this order was not good. This is and really will... descended into like late night. If you don't like it, you know, I guaranteed. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. That reminds me of this is not to do with good food, but I, I have to Okay. Now okay. I have to tell a story from college. No, that no, go makes ahead. Everybody laugh and I, I you know, it makes me kind of look like a Karen for for lack of a better word. You know, I was I was eighteen. Oh I, I was I was eighteen, I think. So, you know, it's I was you were more, a little more on weeks. I was more immature than anything else. So um there there was a Wendy's right by the college and where I grew up, there Wendy's wasn't really like around. Like I'd heard of it, but it was one of those chains that wasn't close. And you know, I there's McDonald's, there's Burger King. So I'm like, I'm not going to drive, you know, 20 miles or, or 15 miles to go to a Wendy's when I have like there was even White Castle like nearby. So I'm like, I'm not driving, you know, 10, 15 miles to a Wendy's. So there's one right by college, and I I had a good friend I made. I'm still friends with him. You know, this this guy Glenn who. You know, he worked at a Wendy's when he was in high school. He worked there like when he went back home for the summers and he would go on and on about how great Wendy's was. I'm like, OK, whatever. Um, so I went with his friend, Eric, who was from that. They were from the same town. They they were um, they were roommates. Their their room somehow smelled like 
like a fart lived in the room with them, which I don't even know how to explain the smell in their room, but that's, that's a whole other, a lot like my son's room, but I, I, I'm guessing it was worse, but I, but I won't even, (laughs) that's a, that's a story for another day. But Colleen is often like, how, how, like, what do you mean the room smelled like that? Like, I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know how, (laughs) but by April, it smelled like something had crawled in there and died. Um, Uh. But I digress. So we go into the Wendy's, me and this guy, Eric, and, and there's a sign up and, you know, it's a marketing sign. And the sign says in big letters, best burger in the business. I call this the best burger in the business story. And they, the sign, like, you know, it's, it's a person looking very happy with their burger and there's all this text and it says, you know, if you don't think that this is the best burger in the business, let us know. We'll refund you your money. So, you know, I, I get the burger, you know, I eat it. I'm like, oh, this is fine. You know, I don't think it's the best burger I ever had. And, you know, I'm kind of going on and on. And uh, my friend Eric, who knows how I can get wound up, is already kind of amused. So I go to the manager and, you know, I go, excuse me, this isn't the best burger I've had. I want my money back. You know, well, I first I go to the employee. So the employee's like, all right, I'll get the manager. So he brings her out and, you know, I explain everything. And she's like, well, what didn't you like about it? And I'm like, well, what does it matter? What I didn't like about it. Like the sign didn't say I had to like quantify. She's not like, itemizing this. I'm like, what didn't you like about it? I'm like, well, like it had a lot of mayo on it for starters. And she's yeah. like, oh, so you don't like the condiments, not the burger. So it turned to <laughs> this whole thing where I'm like, look, I, I'm like, come on. Like, I, I didn't like it. Then, then her next thing was, wait, so you ate the whole thing? I'm like, well, yeah, I didn't say it was bad like i just it isn't the best burger ever had i mean this this side didn't say if your burger sucks we'll give you your money back i mean i'm not saying it was garbage i'm just saying it isn't the best burger ever had so long story short there was this long back and forth i never got my money back and i was wound up about it but i wasn't going to like you know go into this long you know fight with the wendy's corporation to get my whatever dollar and whatever at the time it was back but i i was pretty annoyed and people still find that story very funny that is that is it reminds me of the um i can't remember the details but the the thing in fast times where someone complains about the burger and judge reinold and i don't know i remember that I'll revisit that scene. I've been size to say I haven't seen Yeah, Mike, it, what it got. Come on, man. You gotta like be all legalistic. Oh, I didn't say it was a bad burger. I just said it wasn't. That's just how I it's not like a Mr. Show sketch. Well, I didn't just, think it was the worst burger, you know. That's just how I that's just how I am. And I I'm kind of I'm not that way nearly as much as I used to be, but that that's the that's the thing that, that Colleen gets annoyed with me. And, you know, when, when we made those vision boards, John, where, mm. you know, all three of us made ridiculous ones and I explained it to you in, in our chat and you're like, yeah, I can see why sometimes your, your family's all much for your wife. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes that, that side of me comes out and she's like, really dude, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes you charming I get it. Sometimes. Oh, well, sometimes. On that yeah. thread, though, this actually reminds me of something. Have you guys ever been to a place that's like well renowned in your area, or even anywhere for that matter? And like, you know, it's like it's it's regarded as like the best place. You, you go here, it's the best food. Mm-hmm. But then you get there, and everyone else is in like really loving their food. Yeah, and you're just kind of like, oh, this is okay, but you're like not sure how to approach that because it's like a sacred cow. There's well, a couple. There's a couple places like that in my town. Yeah, go ahead, John. No, I was just gonna say that there's there's the whole cult of um, sort of regional, you know, burger joints, um, franchise burger joints, 
So if you're from California, you're supposed to have undying allegiance to In-N-Out Burger. And my take on In-N-Out Burger is it's fine. It's fine. It's better That's, than McDonald's, but it's yeah. it's not it's not a transcendent experience. It's it's a good place to go. The fries are are certainly um, garbage. Bring, bring the whole experience down. I wouldn't go quite that far, but like they're they're not special. And the burger is like, OK, you, you made a it's, it tastes fresher than a burger from McDonald's or, or Burger it's, King. And th- great. But, you know, it gets so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. that's how I, I, I you know, and, well, well, that's the thing about going to Arizona, you know, for, well, you know, pre-COVID and, and for labor and spring training. You know, I, a couple people I go with could all say about it out. I'm always like, it, it's fine. Like, it, it's not bad. It just isn't. Like this be all and end all, where I, you know, similar. I was talking about with like driving, you know, all that way to Wendy's, where it's like I, I don't really feel like I have to go here. Um, you know, another another thing that's funny about that is that there, there's another place out there that's good that the labor folks like loved. It, it's called Manny's Big Breakfast, uh, and I like it. Like it, it's a good place, but it, it's one of those. And and this is again a Southwest thing, so. I feel like the food in New Mexico blows away the food in Arizona, like in my experience. Oh, now, sure. granted, I've yeah. driven a lot more around New Mexico and kind of studied it. It was on my own time. Whereas, you know, when you're when you're doing spring training, you're not really like there for the food entirely. You're you're there for the games and you, you kind of, you know, hit up the food. Right. So, yeah, but. Like Manny's is good, but like there's so many like places in New Mexico that just kind of were were better in my mind. And and this is let's not even a slam on Manny's. It, it's more the like how highly I think of like that New Mexico Mexican like food mm-hmm. offshoot. Yeah, which which also you can't find on the East Coast. Like that that's something. Every time I go to New Mexico and and come back here and have Mexican food, I'm always like, yeah, it's it's fine. Like it it just isn't quite the same. It's not special. Yeah, so to to answer your question locally, there, there's this there's this Italian restaurant here. It's in town. It's really close. Um, you know, if if you, I'm not going to mention it because I don't want to malign the place. Um, you know, on the show, but um, you know, mainly because I live here, and if I go back there, I don't want anything untoward to happen to my food. But it's good. Like it, it's a good <laughs> restaurant. It just like the, the way people rave about it online, you'd think it was like the greatest like restaurant in the world, and the food is is fine. And I, I would say that the, the probably one reason the re- reviews are so high is the service is excellent, and like the vibe of the restaurant is really good. Um, it's just that once you know the, the two times I've been there and you know eaten, I'm like, yeah, this is this is good. You know, this this is it just doesn't live up to those lofty uh, reviews. So big question: what's what's the the price range like does it sort of market itself as kind of fine dining or is it sort no. of entrees under twenty dollars type of thing probably somewhere in the middle of that like it, it's probably like for this area it's not expensive like like this area when you when you start seeing things you know because we're not in a city we're in the burbs like i'd say when you start seeing entrees in the 25 to 30 dollar range that's when you're getting into the expensive range mm-hmm. this place is probably like you know 15 to 25 like sure and 25 is like the market price for the high-end stuff yeah or if you're getting you know the steak with your you know your pasta um so yeah it's it's reasonable it's it's not cheap though like it's not on the you know they're, they're not advertising it as you know the the cheaper italian stuff i find it endearing that you're actually you know worried that someone who works 
at or for this restaurant is going to listen to this podcast. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to be nice. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's will. it's really it's kind else. of amusing though. I, I kind of just imagine you sliding into a booth with your family one day and. The, you're the, 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 the wait person the comes up and just, it's a baseball yeah. podcast huh? he walks, sure you just walks in and just it, it, they don't really notice it's you at first they go into their spiel hi welcome to and then they see you and their eyes narrow and they no, you know quiet. What it is? it's not they see me it's the voice the voice the voice sounds familiar yeah they overhear you they just look before i know that yeah, voice. Yeah. where hey, am i they, voice. so my dreams of doing a type 45 are out the window yeah probably um I will say the reason I partially brought this question up is because there's a very specific experience. Um, and I also won't name the restaurant mainly because I just don't want to be mean because like a lot of people do like it. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's an institution in Fort Worth. I will give away what it is while I describe it. I don't need to name it. If you've been, you know, and it's one of the premier Mexican food places in Fort Worth. It's like a legend. It's like an establishment and they're known when for I two Google things. They're, Mexican places in Fort Go keep talking. They're known for their fajitas and their margaritas. And for, uh, I, I have not been in forever, but at, for a while, one of their gimmicks was they don't take anything but cash. Like you could only pay in cash, which as, as we move more towards a cashless society, I kind of side with them on this, but I think there's a medium here. I'd rather be cash only than nothing but than anything but cash because this is a weird situation. But anyway, like this is, this place is regarded as like the Mecca for Mexican food in this area like in fort worth like if you want good mexican like this is like the the place the tourists go the place like everyone goes and i gotta tell you buddy with with the knowledge that mexican food is not specifically my palate i can enjoy it but it's not really my thing it's just okay it's a lot of hype it's fine like mike said with his place it's fine but it would i would i send a visitor there no, no, I would not. I'm confident I could find better places, given about 20 minutes and some text messages sent. Wait, I'm a, okay. So I'm a, I'm gonna drop I'm gonna drop a link in the chat, and you can tell me if this is the place. Okay. Okay. I, I think you so, probably will have found it because it's so pretty easy to find. This is uh, just a guess here. Um, hold on, hold on. This gotta is get back, yes. Got to get back to Twitter. This makes great radio. It it really it, does. Is it that place? Yes, it is. It's one hundred percent that place. Yes, okay. and like, it's 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 called a pilgrimage place. Like when you come to Fort Worth, you've got to go to this place. You really don't. Like if you go, it's the novelty of it. You can say you went. It's more of like a a point of like talking. Anything which I guess would be a talking point. Uh, I don't know why I add the of to that, but it's it's perfectly fine. It's not the best. It's perfectly fine. But it's extremely, extremely overrated in this area. And yes, if you by now, if you live in this area, you know exactly what I'm talking about. John did get it correct on his guess, but I still will not reveal because I'm I'm trying to be kind. Yeah. As I rip uh, as I rip this place, I'm trying. To I mean, kind. if it if it took a, a non-local precisely 15 seconds to find it through yes, Google, if, I think you could find it. Um, oh yeah. You know what? You know what was cool about this episode? We did not. What? We did not go nihilist. We did not go dark. No, not at all. Well, I think was, we actually had a very positive experience overall. Was that, that, was, was, that, that your... was part of the reason I picked this topic. I, I, I don't, I, I can't spend another week. Um, and off, off, off topic or off podcast, I've, I've been, I don't want to say spiraling, but I've been feeling, you know, kind of negative. So I sort of picked a topic that would 
lead to a happier conversation. And, you know, even like, you know, ranting about my Wendy's experience from 30 years ago, I, I'm certainly not bitter <laughs> or mad about it. And well, actually, you, you language lawyer to Wendy's. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, I, I, Wendy's is one of our, our local options and we don't have all the fast food options, but Wendy's uh, is one of them. And I, I, I quite like Wendy's. Well, I, well, one thing I'll say for Wendy's and you know, that this is like true of, of McDonald's for that matter too. Um, I, I don't do fast food that much anymore, but like the, the dessert option, like, you know, just getting some cheap ice cream, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's the Frosties at Wendy's, but, but it's that whole idea like nowadays you, you know, you get ice cream with, with a family of four and spend like, you know, 15, 20 bucks, you know, if they want the toppings and they want this and they want that. So it's just nice to go and go, yeah, here's a cone or, you know, here, here's a McDonald's Sunday, And, you know, it's, it's super cheap, but it's, it's fine. It, it does the job when you want something cold and it's a hot day. Okay. Before we, real good though. What? Before we, oh yeah. Baconator is Oscars. Oscars it's real good. Um, before we, we wrap it up quick you know off topic thing um i want i want a super bowl score and a, a number on the scale of 1 to 10 to indicate your interest in the super bowl mike oh god i <laughs> can you start with samuel i'm going to have to like actually like go glance at the teams at least do you not know who's playing mike? i mean i know who's playing i mean look at them in terms no 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 of, don't like, don't think about it this yeah just, no 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 yeah no 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 you'll probably be not more about, right if like, you don't I, do I don't yeah i don't actually yeah samuel uh i will take bengal's 27 rams 20 and i yeah, gonna, you just, I, interest you, no uh, interest. Yeah. I'm about at eight. I'm actually really interested in this year's Super Bowl. The halftime okay. show looks like it's going to be really awesome. I'm super excited to see a G Funk Super Bowl halftime, even if Eminem has to be there too. Like that's the only complaint I have. But he's largely fine. But I, I have become infatuated with Joe Burrow. Like, yeah, everyone. Interesting. Everyone has. That's that's why you're just going with the narrative. And yeah. So um, I think, gonna, plus I think he's going to win. I'm going to go Bengals twenty three twenty. Yeah, my man. So Interest like, level is obviously uh, pretty low. Probably a three. You didn't or know four. the team, I, so yeah. no. I mean, I knew the teams. I I just really no. I I did know barely enough to to know the teams. Um, so I, I was paying kept paying attention to what happened at the end of the Niners game. So sorry, John, but yeah. I, I was you know watching that and ah, uh, that's where this is. That's what this is. I'm kind of see that's why he's unhappy. Going on. No, I, I mean, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't blame him. I, oh, I, I was I, over I, it. I mean, I was, there was the beautiful thing about only caring enough where if good things happen, you're happy, but if bad yeah. things happen, you're just not invested. It's a good because space, isn't it? It yeah, is it a is. good space, you know, well, and I mean, I, I, I was big into the Niners growing up, so it's nice well, I to think be. You, I, I think you probably know this, like, so I haven't watched football, like, in years. The only time I watch is the Super Bowl. And Elle and I watch the Super Bowl together. That that's that's their thing. And do you remember when um, they used to be a Patriots fan? Do, do you remember that whole whole thing? What? No, why? Why Elle is no longer a Patriots fan? But well, yeah. Elle was a Patriots fan, and it was because a kid in in their class was a Patriots fan. And, okay. But then I, it I became. Oh God! You should. There's some tweets I have about it. Like it, it just became this whole thing where they were joking around that they were the biggest like Patriots fan ever and going on and on and saying things like a lot of people say the Patriots cheap, but I don't think it's true. (laughs) And, you know, going, going on and on and on. And then like one day out of nowhere, they're like, Oh, I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm like, Oh, okay. But then it became 
like I, I kind of said, oh, remember when you were a Patriots fan? And I got this like dead eyed look that said, I was never a Patriots fan, dad. And just walked away from me. And I was like, she's 1984. Juju. I was like, I was like, what? Like, they, they, did they your kid just crazy. gaslight you? I'm like, how, how old are you? Like, what, what, what are you doing here? And, you know, it, it, I got the nervous laugh that, that L Elliot gives me, but it was like, okay, like whatever. And it's just yeah, kind of kid gaslit you. Yeah. It's just kind of become, it's kind of become a joke in our house that, you know, I was never a Patriots fan. I, I never liked them. <laughs> like, like blah, blah, blah. But, but East we still has always been at war with Eurasia, but we still watch the Super Bowl together. Like that's, it's our day for, of snacks and, and commercials and, and and fun i i will say that when when they were a patriots fan um it was fun the the year that the the falcons you know blew the big lead because elliot was still young enough fell asleep at halftime it was a blowout was like oh you know i'm I'm just gonna go to sleep and was actually thrilled the next day that the patriots won and you know even though you know being thrilled for the patriots winning is if if you're not from boston is it's like okay whatever uh i i still was happy to see that moment where my child was the, the sports moment of like, yay, something good happened. Yeah. I'm going to say, um, uh, Rams 31, 28, the, the Joe Burrow insanity has gone too far. The Bengals aren't actually that good. Um, my interest level is probably around a 3.5. Yeah. Cause me too. All, all of my, all of my, you know, sort of football energy was expended watching like, you know, two and a half 49ers games. So uh, like you, I'll probably half-heartedly watch it. Um, our, our sort of tradition is, you know, like you, they, you know, my, my wife and son will sort of be in the room, but mainly, you know, for the commercials. And one thing that we always make, we always make wings. That's kind of our thing. So Ooh. we'll make some wings and watch some, my, some football. Yeah. My, my interest generally has to do like kind of, I'll watch, and then it just is a matter of how good the game is. Like, so I, I, I kind of, I'm watching Mahomes has been fun. You know, watching Andy Reid, you know, win his Super Bowl a couple of years ago. I've, I've always liked Andy Reid, and, you know, I liked him when he was here. I, I never really understood the dislike that some, like, Eagles fans had for him. Like, I, I get his weaknesses, but, you know, it was nice to see him win. Uh, it, it'll really just come down to the game. Like, you know, one thing that's nice about these teams is, like, I think they're both fine. Like, there isn't a villain on them, you know, or, or it's not like the Tom Brady thing where, yeah. where it's like, oh, God. Like, you know, putting putting aside, like, even his politics, it's like, really? Like, how many Super Bowls does this dude need need to win? Like, like enough already. Like, there's, not, there's none of that. So I, I think I'll just, <laughs> if it's a good game, I think I'll just enjoy the game. Neither, neither team has been immediately implicated in the whole Brian Flores thing. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Who, who knows? I, you know, that, that's a that's a topic for another time. But the whole like gambling being intertwined with sports the way it is. And, you know, there, there's stuff about baseball, too, that, you know, is nowhere near the florist level. But, you know, things we're seeing where, yeah. you know, it, it's the whole bet from your seat or, you know, do this, do that. It's like uh, you, you're going to reach a point where it's like you might as well, like, you know, put well, Pete Rose, maybe not. But you might as well put just put Joe Jackson in the hall if, if you're, you know, that's going to be your attitude toward gambling. It's a baseball podcast. Yeah, we did it. We we managed to take the uplifting uh, podcast and and end on a down note. Um, I'm going to bring it back up, John. I'm curious. T- talk me through your wing routine here. Like, are you an order out? Or are you a make your own? Talk talk uh, me in uh, here. No, I'm no, curious. no. This this is the this is where we make our own. 
Um, okay, talk me. Talk yeah. me. Are you a flat? Yeah. Uh, I mean, are you drums? Are you boneless? Like, give me, give me, give me a boneless. Here. Boneless wings are nuggets. Come on. Yeah. Man. Thank, thank you, John. That, that's, <laughs> that's, that's there's no that's, such that's, thing as boneless wings. They're yeah. still delicious. A they're so delicious. Fine. All three fine, style, but they're not wings. But, they're not wings. Yeah, I agree with John. Um, then, no, really I, I mean mix of flats and and drums. Um, I mean I, I'm a I'm a drumstick man, but um, I I'll eat both. Um. Yeah, we have a recipe that I'd have to dig up, but it it involves it's you know we don't have a deep fry or anything, so it's like involves like uh, I can't remember if it's baking powder or baking soda, but that gives them a nice crisp, you know, in the, in the oven. And uh, you know, the last two times we we made them, they turned out quite nice. So I'll I'll take photos. Please do. Also, this gives me the chance to recommend the, the kitchen appliance that has changed literally changed my life. Air fryer. If you don't have one. Yeah, we, we have get one. Yeah, we we have one, and it, it does. And all right, it's amazing. It We're does, trying it, to cut down on the appliances, but you know, this is yeah. something this, that this we replaces keep like five appliances. Like, uh, I, I, can't I think I think we got it as a gift from my in laws, and and it was one of those things where yeah, I kind of agree because we we have a smaller kitchen. Like, I mean, it's not a, it's not a tiny kitchen, but. You know, it, it's 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 it, this is like a '70s house, and it's that kind of kitchen. So mm-hmm. it's it's not like what you want, especially the way my wife likes to cook. Like she cooks a lot, and you know, is in the kitchen a lot. And you know, in, in retrospect, when we bought this house, I was kind of you know, I know you like to cook. We probably should have bought like a, a house with an island and you know, bigger kitchen. But anyway, yes. um, yeah, the air fryer is great. Like it, it even takes something like you know like dumplings like you know the dumplings that just come in a package you know in the past i I, you know you either microwave them and you're like eh, or you do them on the stovetop and you're like that's eh, a lot of effort for these like you know in a package dumplings the air right. fryer like just just makes them like it's quick quick but they they just still taste so much better than dumping them in the microwave and yes. it's like that with a lot of stuff like it, it's nice to you know make a burger in there it's nice to just like kind of fry something up and yeah you you can i agree samuel it, it's it's a it's a hell of an invention I actually tried right, something well. today because of the storm. I tried to make pizza wontons. I didn't exactly succeed, but I'm getting closer. Okay. Um, aren't those just pizza pockets? Sort of. You take uh, the, 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 I'm not giving away the recipe. I stole it from TikTok. Uh, you take a wonton wrapper. Uh, you can use water to seal. I actually used garlic butter to seal mine because I wanted a little extra mm-hmm. flavor. And then you take uh, a little bit of pizza. Uh, a little bit of, I use marinara sauce, not pizza sauce. I like marinara sauce more. Take a dollop of that. Uh, take a dollop of your cheese. Um, I used. I made a batch of half pepperoni, half mozzarella and ricotta cheese, and then you throw them in your air fryer for, uh, in my instance, too long and too hot, so they came out just a little bit crispier than I was hoping for. But I'm I, I'm I'm learning through the fact, and I think after the last couple of things I put in there, I found that our air fryer runs a little bit hotter than most of them do. Like at 400, it's probably closer to like 410 and etc. Mm. Like that. So I've got to back off either my temp or my time, but like mm-hmm. it is like fantastic. The thing I really want to try, you can make apparently fantastic carrot chips and green beans in there. And I've yet to find, mm-hmm. uh, it, we're kind of out of season for both up in this area. But, uh, when spring comes around, I want to go to the farmer's market, get some like actual, not like canned green beans, like actual green beans mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, and like get, see if they, uh, mm-hmm. see if I can get like some, homegrown carrot chips like made out of actual just carrots not just the shit from the bag and see if i can really do this right because they look delicious all right well you're you're selling me on the air fryer i mean i i imagine that our kitchen is even smaller than than mike's because ours is a 1930s house and 
it's kind of a a narrow, not very large kitchen. So it probably is smaller it, than you. Yeah. So having appliances on the counter is really and and it's something my wife gets very militant about. And you know, I get it. But um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll look into it. If I see a good deal, I'll shoot it your way. I I see them all the time on my deal websites. Okay, well, the next time we meet, maybe I'll be the proud owner of a brand new air fryer. Thanks for listening to episode three of It's a Baseball Podcast. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. As we mentioned on the episode, we do have a guest for next week, our very first guest on the new podcast. You found his work at places like Lookout Landing, Pitcher List, and Baseball Perspectives. And this year, he's nominated for a Sabre Award. Michael Lajeto joins the show next week. We are incredibly excited to talk to Mikey. He's a good friend of all of us. And for him to be nominated for such a great award is A, very well deserved, and B, super exciting. So next week, Michael Lajeto of the Baseball Interweb joins us to talk all about that and who knows what else. But until next week, if you enjoyed what you heard on the show this week, feel free to follow us on Twitter. Mike is at Mike Gianella. John is at John Hagland. I am at the Samuel Hale. If you need any information about the podcast, hit us up at itsabaseballpodcast.com. Right there, you can find anywhere to listen to us and all sorts of other things. It'll take you where you need to go. If you have questions, comments, sponsorship opportunities, you want to be a guest on the show, send us an email, itsabaseballpodcast at gmail.com. But until next week, when we join you with our guest, Michael Heto, thank you so much again for listening. We will be in your ears real soon. Thank you.